Hello, I'm Rabia Ramputh, Senior Associate in the Commercial Litigation Team at Stevenson Harwood. In my first podcast on remote trials, I discussed the various preparations that are required for a remote trial. In the second and final podcast on the topic, I will be going through some of the key points to consider during the remote trial itself and provide you with my concluding thoughts on remote trials. Firstly, communications. One thing you cannot do in a remote trial is pass a post-it note to your counsel when you have a good point to make. Therefore, during trial, you will need an agreed method of communicating with your legal team. This may be a secure real-time chat function or simply email if counsel find constant pop-ups in a chat function too distracting. If you have a leading and junior counsel, it may be useful for all points to be passed on to junior counsel in the first instance, who can then decide which should be passed on to leading counsel. Whatever method is to be used, it is crucial to ensure that there is no possibility of internal notes inadvertently being sent to the other side. Similarly, you may need to speak to your client for instructions during the trial, or to your witnesses. Consider what would be the best way of communicating with them quickly during trial. Number two, breakout rooms. Another thing you cannot do during a remote trial is break out in a consultation room during breaks and lunch to speak. You will therefore need a virtual breakout room. Some platforms offer this, but always consider any security issues. Sometimes a safer option is to simply set up separate dial-in details or a separate video conference for the duration of the trial, which you can easily dial into when something needs to be discussed during a break. Next, technical support. No matter how much testing and preparation you carry out, technical issues are almost inevitable especially when you have a large number of participants in multiple locations around the world. Ensure that you have technical support at hand during each day of trial in case anything goes wrong and an agreed procedure to deal with technical issues. Another advantage of having an external provider managing the hearing is that they often provide a hearing manager who stays online each day for the duration of the trial. The active speakers should join the video conference early each day and test their sound and video connections. Solicitors should also check early each day that the correct individuals have the correct level of access. Next, witnesses, observers and assistants. It is the party's responsibility to ensure that everyone is in the right place on the right day and time. The witnesses need to be in the agreed locations on the correct day and time to give their evidence, usually at the office of a local law firm, and any assistant needs to be with them. If parties are sending observers to sit in when the opposing party's witnesses give evidence, they need to ensure that arrangements have been made for this, and the observers are in the right place at the right time. Again, a method of communication needs to be agreed with the observers and assistants in case an issue arises. Lastly, mute. It is crucial that both audio and video are muted for passive participants throughout trial and the same for active participants during breaks in order to avoid any disturbances and embarrassments. In a recent trial conducted remotely over Zoom, A lawyer from a leading law firm was heard by the other parties over what she thought was a private Zoom chat but was actually still being broadcast into the court feed, saying that the other party's witness was obviously lying whilst giving evidence. In conclusion then, it is clear that there are some additional factors to consider and considerable time and effort is needed to put all the pieces of a virtual hearing puzzle into place. Preparation is key. There are some downsides to remote trials. The most notable for me were the following. Firstly, there can be a lack of eye contact between counsel and the judge and between witnesses and counsel during cross-examination. Counsel may find it difficult to really look the witness in the eye and drill them down on a point. The screen can be a shield for the witness from being probed. There can also be a feeling of distance from your client and your witnesses. Normally they would be with you in the courtroom and get a feel of the proceedings and the judge. It is therefore important to keep the witnesses and client in the loop as much as you can. Lastly, the proceedings are likely to take a little longer with some interruptions, as technology inevitably fails at times. Despite these downsides, 
remote trials can work well if the correct preparations are made, and there is in fact a lot to be said for conducting trials remotely. For solicitors in particular, it cuts out the panic to arrive early in a fresh suit every morning and means that paralegals no longer have to lug boxes of files and stationery to and from court. There are also potential cost savings to be made. For example, you save costs of flying witnesses that are abroad to England and putting them up in hotels, and you save on printing hard copies of bundles. However, there are the potential added costs of technology, as discussed in the first podcast. However we feel about them, remote trials and part-remote trials look like they are here to stay. Thank you all for listening. Mm -hmm.